0: All right. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Leaving Christianity podcast for another episode on proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And yes, I did say proving. Now, I know a lot of people will say, hey, man, you can't prove that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, I would argue, yeah, you actually can. If you define what it actually means to prove something, then it meets those standards. Like you go to the Merriman Dictionary, for instance. The word prove means to establish the existence, truth, or validity of something by using evidence, logic, and reasoning. And we've been learning. That's what we've been doing. We've been using evidence, logic, and reasoning to go through the proofs that we have. And we've been learning it's really just illogical and it's unreasonable to deny that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. Like we don't have a legitimate reason based on the evidences of history. All of the evidences from that time period affirms this fact that he did rise from the dead. And there is zero evidence from that time period that even tries to suggest that it's not true. So in the last two episodes, we've been going through the evidences that I would argue prove the validity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But we've only used evidences so far. We've only used the evidences from non-biblical sources outside the Bible because so many millions of people struggle with this topic and they've been lied to by people claiming that he never rose from the dead or claiming that Jesus never actually even existed, which are preposterous claims when you honestly look. At the actual evidences that we have of course the bible claims it happened but so many people don't believe the bible because they say well it's just a religious text you can't trust that of course they fail to realize that it's also an excellent collection of documented real events that actually happened in time past by eyewitnesses actual people in verified historical places attesting to what they actually did witness with their eyes and actually experienced physically. And it's just, it's illogical to throw out the testimonies of eyewitnesses. What further evidence can you ask for other than actual eyewitness accounts that all agree with each other from different places in the region? For example, Why do you believe that Thomas Jefferson was president? Why? You weren't there, were you? Of course not. Yet you believe it because the evidences that we have make such a compelling case that it would just be illogical and foolish for you not to believe it. Well, it's really the same with this Jesus of Nazareth. Did you know there are literally... Thousands of times more lines of evidences that prove Jesus existed than there are for Thomas Jefferson. Thousands of lines. So once you see just how much more evidence there is for Jesus and zero refuting evidences from that time period, and there were a whole lot of people who had motive to prove this thing wrong, and nobody tried to do it. So you got to ask yourself, okay, what's the most logical thing to conclude? Putting emotions aside, what's the most logical thing to conclude? If all the evidence says that there was a man named Jesus or Yeshua in the Hebrew language who was crucified and did in fact rise from the dead, proving that he was actually who he claimed to be, having power over even death, then you should probably listen to what he had to say. Like he's, he's the one person in history that has beaten death, has conquered the grave, physically rose from the dead without any assistance all by himself. Therefore his teachings, I would argue demand a certain amount of respect. They really do. So what are some of these quotes or, or evidences? Well, do the opinions of leading historians carry any weight to you? I mean, think about that for a second. Do they? You have the top historians in their field saying all these things, affirming that this stuff is true. Does that matter to you? It's an interesting question to ask. For instance, in the last episode, we went over Dr. Paul Meyer, professor of ancient history says, quote, no shred of evidence has yet been discovered in literary sources epigraphy, or archaeology that would disprove that the tomb in which Jesus was actually buried was actually empty on the morning of the first Easter. Well, that's interesting. So that comes from a non-Christian. Oxford historian William Juan, says, quote, all the strictly historical evidences that we have is in favor of the resurrection. And those scholars who reject it ought to recognize that they do so on some other grounds than that of scientific history, end quote. Interesting. E.M. Blakelock, professor of classics at Auckland University, says, I claim to be a historian. My approach to classics is historical, and I tell you that the evidence for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is better authenticated than most of the facts in ancient history, end quote. We have Clark Pinnock of McMaster University says this, quote, there exists no document from the ancient world witnessed by so excellent a set of textual and historical testimonies. Skepticism regarding the historical credentials of Christianity is based upon, as he says, an irrational bias, end quote. Now remember this, as I give you these quotes, these are some of the leading historians on the planet. The the famous F.F. F. Bruce of Manchester University, most people have heard of him, says, if the New Testament were a collection of secular writings, their authenticity would generally be regarded as beyond all doubt, end quote. And you can look up any of these on the internet. Just, just type this in. You can read the documents where they wrote these. For instance, A.N. Sherwin-White classical roman historian says this quote for the new testament of acts the confirmation of historicity of the book of acts is overwhelming he says he goes on to say any attempt to reject its basic historicity even in matters of detail must now appear absurd roman's historians have long taken this for granted end quote what a what a claim this historian is making. I'll give you two more quotes that, that I find very compelling. I find these very compelling. First, we'll do uh, Professor Thomas Arnold, 14-year headmaster at rugby school in Warwickshire, author of the famous History of Rome textbook, and was appointed the chair of ancient history at Oxford University. Okay, this guy's top of his field. He says this, quote, I have been used for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine the weight of the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind, which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer that the great sign which God has given us, than that Christ died and rose again from the dead, end quote. Again, these are the best historians, and they clearly recognize the existence of Jesus Christ and the physical resurrection from the dead as an undeniable established historical fact. This is what they say, not just what I say. And they clearly recognize that the Bible is not just the word of God, but actual recorded history. As, to, as uh, Professor Thomas Arnold said, even in the smallest details of the story. And lastly, I want to give you this one. Um, and I encourage you to Google this and look it up. Read this guy's whole story because it's just fascinating. This story is about uh, Lionel LeCou, okay, a famous lawyer. Guinness book of world records for 18 years straight as being the most successful trial attorney who has ever lived in January of 1985. He got his 245th consecutive murder acquittal. Nobody's even come close to this. And this guy took up the challenge to investigate all of the historical evidences surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ to see if the resurrection, the story would withstand legal scrutiny. If you put it on trial, would it stand up under a court of law? How would it stand up under the court of law? He asked. Well, his verdict was this quote. I say unequivocally that the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is so overwhelming that it compels acceptance by proof that leaves absolutely no room for doubt. End quote. Think about that. There's no room for doubt about this fact that he rose from the dead in these historians and this lawyer's mind after thoroughly researching all the evidences that we have. So, again, like I ask people, so what is the reason why you don't believe it? There's a reason. But have you ever thought about what the reason is? Now, notice I'm not I'm not giving you the Bible to try to prove the Bible because so many people reject that. Okay, I'm giving you solid quotes from the best historians the world has known information you've probably never been presented with because nobody talks about this in public. They don't teach this in the universities. These are the best in their field, investigating all of the historical evidences, showing you that as far as history and evidence is concerned, the only logical conclusion to come to is that Jesus existed, that he really was crucified by the Romans, and he really, truly did rise from the dead, proving, hey, he was actually who he claimed to be. And what better way to prove it than conquering death in the grave? But since we're already in the mindset of historical data and evidence, what else can we learn from the historical writings of the actual time period in the first century? Well, We know that the resurrection was documented by eyewitnesses. Common question. People say, well, why should I believe Jesus and his message over other religions? Many people have this question. And they go on to say, especially the other Abrahamic religions, like, for instance, Islam. Well, from my own perspective, I I can give you my answer. And there are really the four main reasons why I believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be. First of all, his lifestyle and how he treated people. I'm really just blown away by the compassion and integrity that he had. I've tried to live like Jesus and I've. I've failed so much in my best moments. I, I succeed sometimes, but I really, I fail much of the time and I have a tremendous amount of respect for his lifestyle. I think it demands respect. Number two, uh, Robert Cole, psychology professor at Harvard pointed this out. All the teachings on ethics, he says over the past 2000 years, are simply footnotes to the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. If you go read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you'll have to grapple with the the ethical brilliance, I would argue, of Jesus, showing he's incredibly in touch with reality and human nature and what's going on. And is he's really just above every other person. No one else is like that. And that really, I would argue, commands my respect and my attention to his teachings. It's, it's worth looking into his teachings. Number three, at the moment of his most excruciating pain on the cross, which I can't even imagine going through that experience. Instead of cursing his enemies, he says, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That right there demands my respect. It really does. And number four, at least on my list, the fourth piece of evidence, three days after his crucifixion, he rose from the dead. And over a period of 40 days, he appeared to hundreds of different people in different environments. He fellowshiped with them. He ate with them. Those those four pieces of evidence are why I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. It really is. And since Islam is rapidly becoming one of the world's largest religions, like it's it's flying to that status. Another thought that comes to my mind is, like you go through and compare the Quran to the Bible. I have one on my shelf here. And, you know, read through that, read through the Bible, compare the lifestyle and the teachings of Muhammad versus the lifestyle and teachings of Jesus Christ. And finally, most powerfully, really, you today can go to Muhammad's grave and you can see his bones are still in it. Death beat him. He had no power over life and death. The grave of Jesus right now is empty. He actually rose from the dead. We have physical proof of that. And really, I mean, just think about that. That demands our respect and that we should attentively listen. It really does. Think about it if somebody rose from the dead today, was literally in the grave for three days, and came out perfectly healthy. Like, I would start listening to what this dude had to say, and so would you. You're talking about interesting. Well, that's what we have with Jesus Christ. Now, if the testimonies of the world's best historians who study history for a living, who are the top of their field, who are regarded and reverenced by all the people in their field, well, if that's not enough, we always have the eyewitness accounts. I mean, Jesus didn't leave an empty tomb for us to just sit around and assume what happened. He appeared to people like Mary Magdalene, for instance. He appeared to the other women who came to the grave with her on that day. He appeared to the Roman guards who fled in fear, and they attested to the fact that they fled in fear. He appeared to the 11 disciples multiple times. He even cooked fish with them, sat there and ate with them. He walked and talked for a long time with the two men on the road to Emmaus. You think of James, Jesus's earthly brother, who wasn't even a believer before then. He wasn't sold on it. He didn't believe him to be anybody but a human. Well, James became a believer immediately after this resurrection experiencing, worshiping his own brother and professing, oh, yep, he's the Messiah. He's clearly the son of God. Must be strong evidence to make that change in his own earthly brother. 500 brethren, history says, he appeared to at the same time. That's not including women and children. I mean, how many were there? 500? You could have 1,500 people there, 1,500 2,000 people. He appeared to all of them. It's very significant that he was seen by so many people. I mean, This explains why so many people were converting to follow Jesus right after this. How could this resurrection belief catch on so fast and grow so rapidly if he didn't really rise from the dead, how could the disciples convince anyone? They would want proof, just like you would want proof, just like anybody would want proof. I mean, that's a bold claim. They would ask around, hey, did you see him? D- did your family see him? Does anybody you know, did anybody see him? Can anybody confirm this claim that these disciples are making? Anyone? Yet secular, non-biblical history records that thousands of people were converting to follow him. It's not just the Bible that claims this. It's claimed in history. And by all the people who hated Christians, who hated Christianity, are still writing about this, saying, this thing is, this is just blowing up. There had to be credible eyewitnesses, all corroborating the message. There had to be. Even 30 years later, there's someone in every crowd who had seen him alive, who had handled him, who had touched him, who had talked to him, maybe ate with him. 500 witnesses at once means close to 2000 witnesses of all who know a bunch of people and they go and they tell everybody that they know it's going to continue to be passed down through family history, to grandpa, to grandchild, and so on. Everybody's going to tell everybody because this is the biggest miracle that they've really seen. I mean, this guy was beaten and torn to shreds and crucified, and he still rose from the dead. There's, there's no other event that would cause that many people to give their lives to corroborate this if it was a lie. I mean, logic would conclude that the story is true it's the only logical explanation so we had so many eyewitnesses to it and it changed the lives of the disciples and thousands of other people i mean it didn't just witness it it radically transformed their life you think of the disciples for instance i mean they were pretty cowardly that's one of the reasons i, I believe that the bible is absolutely true because if, if people were trying to write this story they're not going to write themselves in such a cowardly light they fled when Jesus was arrested. Peter denied him three times. He even denied that he even knew him to a little girl. I mean, he was afraid that he was going to get connected to him and they would pull him in and crucify him as well. He was terrified to associate with Jesus. What event other than the resurrection do you think would have caused Peter or James, the brother of Jesus, to spontaneously go well, in in James's case, to go from non-believing, just rejecting him, to start preaching that he was indeed the Christ, dedicate the rest of his life to going around preaching that message, and even be tortured and killed for it. What other thing would cause that that radical of a change? Well, the resurrection would. People don't radically change their lives and devote their lives to this cause even to be tortured and killed for it, if deep down, you know, secretly, well, they know it's a lie. That doesn't happen. People only die for what they at least believe is true. Yeah, the disciples were quite cowardly before the resurrection, but the resurrection changed that. Thousands of people converting at extraordinary rates, attested to not only by scripture, but also a multitude of secular writings from that time. In fact, all of the writings that re- test this and record to this, there are mountains of them, but what you don't find are writings from that time period saying, oh, "Look, all these people are going around making this claim that this guy rose from the dead. This is absolute BS. Nobody wrote that down. Nobody claimed that. Nobody said, look, we can go to the to the tomb he was buried in right now. It's still sealed. His body is still in it. You don't have anyone claiming that. Why? Because it wasn't still sealed because he really did rise from the dead. What would cause that of all these secular writings and historians and different people that didn't believe what what, what would cause them to write these things? I mean, the physical resurrection is the only possible answer. That's it. Then you have another proof. You have this this sudden explosion of Christianity. I mean, history records mass conversions going on at that time, even up to 3,000 people in one day. And this is recorded by history. What would have been so powerful that it caused thousands and thousands of people who didn't believe suddenly convert and dedicate their entire lives to spreading this message? what's the other reason if you're intellectually honest you got to you got to agree the resurrection is the only logical answer that we have well m- we'll move on from that maybe that maybe that doesn't do it for you what else do we have that attests to this <laughs> and maybe one of the one of the strongest proofs that we have is the archaeological record what archaeologists actually dig up in the ground that proves the validity, the truthfulness, the accuracy of the Bible. What do you think the archaeological record says about the stories and claims of Scripture? Because there have been people who claim, oh, you know, archaeology disproves this, just like they claim science disproves. No, it doesn't. No, it, it's far from that. Does the actual record of archaeology that we have found in the ground Does that hold any weight to you concerning the story of our past, the past of humanity? Because obviously a lot of skeptics claim archaeology, the evidences that we've found, oh, that proves the Bible untrue. Well, that's a mighty bold claim. It's a mighty bold claim. And no, it's not true. That claim is not true. That is a lie. For instance, some historians and Bible skeptics claim, well, Daniel isn't true. And the reason they give is they say, well, uh, they'll say, well, Belshazzar never existed because a cuneiform tablet was discovered, and on it was the list of rulers of Babylon, and guess what? It didn't contain the name Belshazzar on it. This is a, this is a popular objection for skeptics right there. So they've been going around saying he never existed, and this proves that the Book of Daniel is untrue. None of this can be trusted. It's all just a fairy tale story. Yet a little time goes by, and later on, another tablet was uncovered, and it discussed King Nabonidus, who would travel for large amounts of time. And when he was gone from his throne, he would have his son rule in his stead. And guess what his name was? What was the son's name? Right there, carved into these tablets Belshazzar. Right there. Historical archaeological evidence. You see, over and over and over again, as time goes by, the Bible skeptics keep getting proven wrong. As more and more artifacts and cities are discovered, they keep getting proven wrong. For instance, in Judges 16, 29 through 30, you have the story of Samson pulling down an entire pagan temple by pushing on only two pillars— and skeptics for years have constantly said that well that's impossible. It's laughable. In order, in actual, they say it's actually laughable. No man could bring down an entire temple by pushing on two pillars. They weren't designed that way. Well, guess what? There was a Philistine temple ruins discovered in one of, one of northern Tel Aviv area, and another one in ancient Ekron just south of Tel Aviv. So they're basically in the same area. And guess what the archaeologists found? A really bad engineering blunder where the whole roof was supported by, you guessed it, two main pillars in the center of the structure and the bases of these pillars were six feet apart. Totally plausible. Now, does that prove that 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 one was, you know, one Samson brought down? Well, no, it doesn't prove that that was the exact temple, but it does prove the plausibility of the story in the Bible, because this was a major error, and this is how these templars were built by the Philistines. We now have proof that Philistine temples were constructed in that way, as accounted in the Bible, and that one man could, in fact, bring down the entire structure in a massive collapse all by himself. So I guess it's not implausible. It's not a fairy tale story. Did you know that statues of pagan gods like like Baal and Ashtaroth have been found? Did you know Solomon's cities such as Hazor and Megiddo, most people know that name, Megiddo and Gezer from 1 Kings 9.15? These have all been discovered by archaeologists. Skeptics claim, well, there was never a king named Nebuchadnezzar This is a popular one. I've heard this many times. They don't believe that there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar or Sargon, the king, from Isaiah 20. But now, guess what? Sargon's palace has been found. And so has Nebuchadnezzar's palace and Nebuchadnezzar's library. They've both been found. So once again, the skeptics are proven wrong. They found the palace of King Eglon. At Jericho, where he was assassinated in Judges 3.15, I don't know if you guys remember that story, giant fat man, and he was stabbed in the stomach all the way up to the elbow. Crazy story. But guess what? Evidences of that have been found. The East Gate of Shechem from Judges 9.34-38, that's been discovered now. The Pool of Gibeon, for instance, from 2 Samuel 2.12 and following, it has been found. The Pool of Hejbon from Song of Songs, and I think it's chapter 7, it's been discovered. The Royal Palace of Sumeria from 1st and 2nd Kings has been discovered now. All these in recent years. The Pool of Samaria, where King Ahab's chariot was washed after his death, 1st Kings 22, that's been discovered. The The famous water tunnel beneath Jericho dug by King Hezekiah to provide water for the city during the Assyrian siege in second Kings 2020. And uh, it's in second Chronicles 32, I believe that's now been discovered the Royal palace in Susa where Esther was King. Remember the story of queen Esther that's been found now. I mean, I could go on and on for probably two hours reading you through this list of things that have been discovered by archaeologists that prove all these different stories, all these names, these places, all this, all this that the Bible claims, it's, it's not, it's been proven true, not just Old Testament, but also from the New Testament too. Ah, what examples would we have of that? For instance, like the foundation of the synagogue at Capernaum, where Jesus cleansed the man with the evil spirits in Mark chapter one, verse 21 to 28, <laughs> that's been found. You have the house of Peter at Capernaum, where Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, and also other people, Matthew 8, 14 through 17. That's been discovered. You can take tours of these places. You have Jacob's well where Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman. You remember that story in John in John 4, where the famous story where he talks to the woman at the well and tells her all about her, and she goes and gets the whole city and says, Look, you have to, you have to hear this man who Told me everything that I've ever done. And they praise him as being the Messiah. Well, that place has been discovered. The Pool of Bethsaida in Jerusalem, where Jesus healed a crippled man in John chapter 5, first half of that chapter, that's been discovered. The famous Pool of Siloam in Jerusalem, where Jesus healed the blind man in John chapter 9, that's been discovered. What else do we have? We have the tribunal at Corinth where Paul was tried in Acts chapter 18, verse 12 through 17, tried for his life. Well, that exact place has been discovered. They've discovered Herod's palace at Caesarea where Paul was kept under guard in Acts 23, 33 through 35. That's a famous story. They discovered that. I mean, you get the idea. The the list goes on and on and on and on. I mean, I could spend hour after hour giving you just discovery after discovery after discovery that prove, at least archaeologically, exactly what the Bible says, who these people were, where they were, when they were. It's all validated. It validates all these stories in the Bible because everything lines up perfectly. Everything is dated perfectly. I want to share with you some quotes while we're at in the whole archaeology topic Quotes from leading archaeologists of modern time that you may even know of. For example, uh, Dr. Clifford Wilson, former director of the Australian Institute of Archaeology. He says, I know of no finding in archaeology that's been properly confirmed, which is in opposition to the scriptures. The Bible, he says, is the most accurate history textbook the world has ever seen. End quote. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's quite a claim, but I, I completely agree with him. Dr. Bryant Wood, for instance, PhD archaeologist says, quote, in every instance where the findings of archaeology pertain to the biblical record, the archaeological evidence confirms, sometimes in detailed fashion, the historical accuracy of scripture, end quote. The late Dr. Nelson Guac says, quote, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings, he says, have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements that are made in the Bible, end quote. Dr. Joseph Fee, PhD at Wheaton College, former 20-year Head of the Department of Archaeology says this, quote, We do not know of any cases where the Bible has been proven wrong archaeologically. Strong statement, but it lines up with all of the other great people in their field. Everything that they're saying lines up perfectly. You should know the name Dr. William Foxwell Albright. That may be the most famous name in the archaeological uh, circles one of the world's most preeminent archaeologists of all time. He was the one called upon to authenticate the Dead Sea Scrolls, for instance, when they were discovered. That was in 1947. In Eastern Jerusalem is the oldest research center in the Middle East, the oldest one. It's called the W.F. Albright Institute of Archaeological Research. The whole thing was named after him. He is the standard for archaeology, just across the board. And he said this, quote, there can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial historicity of the Old Testament, end quote. Professor of archaeology at Yale University, the late Miller Burroughs, said, quote, archaeological work has unquestionably strengthened confidence in the reliability of scriptural record archaeology has in many places refuted the views of modern critics he says end quote and that's why a major reason why i'm giving you this mountain of evidence from these people because it i agree with him it unquestionably strengthens your confidence in the reliability of the scriptural record and i want to show you those things all of this outside of the bible so you don't have to believe the story Just based on the Bible, all of this evidence outside of it affirms that, yep, the message that the Bible says, even the detailed parts are absolutely true and trustworthy. I'll give you another one. Sir Frederick Kenyon, former director of the British Museum, author of the book, The Bible and Archaeology. He wrote this, quote, Archaeology has not yet said its last word, but the results already achieved confirm What faith would suggest that the Bible can do nothing but gain from an increase in knowledge? End quote. (laughs) I I like that one. Sir William Mitchell Ramsey, late former professor of archaeology at Oxford University. We're not talking about the University of Boone, Alabama, here. We're talking about Oxford University. Considered to be the most eminent scholar on Asia Minor. He used to be a skeptic. He did. He didn't believe the Bible. He was against it. He thought it was a bunch of mythology. In fact, he went to the Middle East for the express purpose of proving the Bible wrong in its history. That's what he went there for. I said, I'm going to prove the Bible wrong. That's quite a skeptic. And I'll give him credit. He was going to put his money where his mouth was. And he came home from that trip and he wrote the book, Luke, the Beloved Physician was what he called it, Luke, the Beloved Physician, in which he proclaimed that Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he proclaimed Luke to be one of the world's foremost historians. That was his conclusion. When he went there, he used Luke's account because Luke was a historian of the time. So he used the gospel of Luke in researching every little bit of archaeology connected with the accounts in the gospel of Luke. He did this as a skeptic to try to disprove the Bible. And here's what he said, quote, I take the view that Luke's history is unsurpassed in its trustworthiness, end quote. That was his conclusion. He goes on to say, you can press the words, Of Luke in a degree beyond any other historians, and they stand the keenest scrutiny and hardest treatment. (laughs) That's a, that's a glowing positive review. He goes on to say, quote, Luke is an historian of the first rank, not merely as statements of fact, trustworthy. He has possessed a true historical sense in short, this author should be placed along with the very best of historians, end quote. That was his conclusion, that Luke is right there at the top of the list, completely trustworthy. And that was from a skeptic in the field who tried to disprove the Bible and came around to say, well, what do you know? The Bible is completely true after all. As far as history is concerned, Based on his effort to disprove the historicity of the gospel of Luke, he said, nope, can't do it. It's absolutely, he came away with a tremendous respect. And that's the story that we hear over and over and over and over again. The bottom line is that archaeology overwhelmingly supports the accuracy of scripture. Well, we didn't make it through everything. I just can't make, there's just too much material in my studies here to to, to go through everything. But I hope all of this information is interesting to you and compelling and convicting and strengthening to you, because I think that's exactly what it should do. It should strengthen your faith. It should really get you thinking about about the validity of what the Bible actually says, that this is not mythology. This is not just fanciful fiction. This is historical records from actual eyewitnesses attesting to what they wrote. Very strong. Very compelling. I love reading all these things. Not not that my faith relies on them or is contingent on them. Not at all. Faith is faith. But it is always exciting to see how much evidence there is in the world that supports and strengthens our faith. And that's exactly what it does. The more and more we find it supports the facts of the Bible, the more it tends to... as far as I can tell, it strengthens and emboldens our faith. That's what it does for me. It absolutely strengthens it. It makes me much more resolute in what I believe because it keeps getting proven true at every turn. Just to see that our faith really is backed up by all the true evidences that we find in the world around us from you know the historical evidences, archaeology, ancient literature, even from all the skeptics and Christian haters of the time, and especially from unsaved non-religious people, they, they, they all verify that, yep, Jesus was real. He was. We have to admit, and I'll give them credit for admitting that these facts are true. And they also say he really did defeat death and rise from the grave, the ultimate sign that he was, in fact, the Son of God, the prophesied Messiah, who was prophesied to come? They're being intellectually honest, then, in attesting that these things really did happen. I just, I just love it that even those who hate God, and hate Jesus, who hate the Bible, they still praise Him by confirming what the Bible says is actually true, and I'll give them credit for being honest about, you know, what history affirms. The Bible keeps getting proven true over and over and over again, but you never see the evidence go the other way. They have never found anything archaeologically or literature in history, any discovery of any kind that somehow proves the Bible to be false. You should really think about that for a minute. Or that even tries to claim that the Bible isn't true. I, I, I just think that's, in, that's so interesting. The evidence is left for us to uncover all across the earth. They're, they're batting over a thousand to zero, well over a thousand to zero, all affirming the message of the Bible. So why wouldn't you believe? I mean, that's the question to ask. The archaeological evidence repeatedly confirms the stories in the Bible are true stories of actual places and people who actually existed. That's why archaeologists use the Bible as a textbook, as a timeline, and a map of history because it's so unbelievably reliable. The skeptics continue to be proven wrong over and over and over again. I think you're seeing that. I think we got that well-established. We don't have to keep beating that drum. So if you struggle to believe and to put your faith in the message of the Bible, then then I got to ask you, I mean, how many times... Does this have to continue to happen before you realize, look, the Bible is obviously true? Since we've seen a lot of evidence that proves the trustworthiness of the Bible, in the next and last, the last episode on this subject, on proving the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm going to dump out as much evidence as I can get through from the actual Bible, since we've seen that the Bible is clearly true. It's clearly trustworthy, even in the smallest details. We're going to jump into that, see what the Bible has to say, and verified historical fulfillments of the very detailed prophecies that we find written about. again, history and archaeology proves that these actually came true. And that, I would argue, proves that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God, that God himself prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years in advance that he would send this, his son, in very, very, very specific ways so that, look, if, if all these things did come true in the order that they prophesied of, that it's, it's, it's completely impossible for that to happen by random chance. It's, it's just the strongest evidence that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be outside of the resurrection, obviously. And all these evidences you'll see prove the divinity of the situation. This, this was a God thing. And I'll talk about Jesus himself and finish up by addressing some of the most popular objections that people have toward Jesus and false claims that skeptics make to attempt to prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. It's just empty claims, but some of them can be convincing when you, when you hear them presented well. And so I'm going to knock those out of the sky. So don't miss the next upcoming episode coming this Friday morning. I think you'll really enjoy this final episode. If you know anyone who struggles with the topic of Jesus or believing the Bible to be true, please send them some of these episodes that we've gone over like this one. Send it to them and pray that they would get interested and that this information would help them embrace the truth this sort of thing right here can radically change a person's life. Also, if you have any thoughts that maybe you want to share with me, feel free to email me at leavingchurchianitynow@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I'd love to read your comments and your feedback. I hope to see you all in the next episode as we wrap up this topic. And until then, have a great week and may the Lord bless you.